You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening, and let's check it out. Listen, turn me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm doing my last uh, sermon on the God of the impossible. Uh, we changed the, we didn't change the title, but we just changed what is said up here, that all things are possible, right? To those who believe that what God said is true. Just to those who believe it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk again a little bit about the spirit of faith and how it operates. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, We have the same spirit of faith. That's capital S, so that, that implies the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. When it's a small s, it's talking about our spirit or a demonic spirit or whatever. When it's a big s, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit inside of us that not only guides us into all truth. Jesus said, I'm going to send you another. His name will be called Paraclete or Comforter, a Counselor. Uh, he said, but he'll also guide you into all truth. So he not only guides us into the truth about God and his word, but he also inspires that truth to grow within us where we, have, we, where we add faith to it. And then, then we operate by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit in faith, and things happen. He said this, we have the same spirit of faith that is described in the Scriptures when it says, first I believed, then I spoke in faith. A lot of people believe and speak in doubt, but they don't speak in faith. If you notice here that believing comes first, then speaking. You can speak your way into believing, you can speak your way, you can continue to speak God's word because faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. So you can speak the word of God out of your mouth and it'll grow your faith, but it's not gonna have any power till it gets in here. It has to get down in your, in your heart, in your spirit, where you actually believe that what God said is true. Not just true for others, but true for you and the others around you that you care about. And so it has to be from a spirit of faith. First I believe, then I spoke in faith. So we also first believe, then speak in faith. And then it goes on to talk about salvation, the salvation we have in Jesus Christ. The next verse, but the next verse after that talks about how all things, same thing is said in Romans, that all things that we experience will turn around for our good because we have faith in Jesus. And so uh, who is Jesus? Jesus is the word of God made flesh. You can't separate God from his word and Jesus from the word. Jesus is the word of God. And so when we, when we say we believe in Jesus, that's why Jesus' name is so. When you speak the name of Jesus, it's like speaking every scripture and every promise in the word. Because his name, his very essence of his being is the word of God made manifest. He's the living expression of the word of Almighty God, showing us that the word of God is alive and powerful. He set that example throughout his whole life. He's showing us how alive and powerful the word of God is. And he said, when you believe it and you speak it, there's power in it. Tremendous power. 
I said last week, the principles of faith can be taught, but the spirit of faith, the spirit of it, has to be caught. It's like understanding the letter of the law, but not understanding the spirit behind the law. You know, there, you, some people have knowledge, but they don't understand what the heart is behind it. Faith is always a heart issue. Always a heart issue. And so it's vital that we, we, are, we get into the Word because the Word of God is full of faith. When he says, my Word is alive and powerful, he's saying it's alive, it's active right now in our lives. It can be, and it's powerful. When we apply faith to it, man, it becomes powerful, powerful enough to do what? Manifest. To manifest in our lives. And so we have to be intimately We have to have an intimate knowledge, and we've talked about this before in the book of John, an intimate knowledge of Jesus in the Word, an intimate knowledge of both of those. It has to be intimate. It has to be close. It can't be a distant relationship. It has to be, he said, I live in you. You live in me. My Word lives in you. Then you will ask what you will, and it will be done for you. So we have to be inspired first by the Word, the word of God. I've had people say to me things in the past that, man, I believe God's going to do this. And I'm like, where's that in the word? Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's in the word. Well, I'm like, if you don't know it's in the word, then you, know, you don't know it's the will of God. I've had people say to me things that I know is not in the word. I'm like, you can't give me a scripture and verse on that. How can you stand on that? You're believing in your own words, not the word of God. But if you can find it in the Word of God, and it's a promise to to anybody, Old Testament, New Testament, because the Old Testament promises are ours too. We have all of them plus all the ones in the New Testament. A greater promise through Jesus Christ, amen? And so, you know, if you can find it in the Word for one person, then you can find it in the Word for you. It applies to all of us. Because God is not a respecter of persons, nor is he a respecter of time. What he did a thousand years ago, he'll do today. And what he did a thousand years ago today, he'll do a thousand years from now. He always is faithful to his word. Amen. So we have to, we have to, we want to hang out with people that believe the word. We want to be in a church that is, uh, uh, speaks the word, teaches the word. Amen. And believes the word. Not just teaches it, but believes it. But we also want to hang around with people. We want to hang around with people with a spirit of faith. And Jesus illustrated this tremendously in these two two examples. Go with me to Matthew chapter 8. There's two tremendous examples of people who are not Jewish, but exuded greater faith than Jesus had ever seen. And so, and Jesus even addresses the Jewish question in in one of these examples. But the first one's found in in Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 10. This is uh, the story of the Roman soldier. He's a Roman soldier. He's a centurion, so he's in charge. He's in charge of, I think, 100 men. And so, but he's not Jewish, but he believes in God. And so, he hears that Jesus is in the vicinity Man, they jump up on their horses and ride to Jesus. Now, I want you to see that in both of the examples I'm about to give you, they sought Jesus. One of the things about believing God for anything and having the spirit of faith on you is you're not waiting for someone else, and you're not waiting for Jesus to come to you. He's already come. 
He's already come and said, I love you. All of my promises are yes if you say amen to them. Amen means so be it. He said, all of my promises are. Oh, you guys said that like you don't believe. Yes. <laughs> kind of? No, all of my promises are. Yes. He's, oh, that was really good. Um, better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, but yeah, all of his promises are yes already. Already. Some of you can say, well, I don't know. He might do it. He might not. Really? The Bible says, God said, not you, not me, God said, all of my promises are already. So, but he's waiting for somebody to say the amen, which is, so be it. So be it what? So be it done unto me according to thy word, God. According to your word, so be it done unto me. He's waiting for the spirit of faith to be attached to his promise. He's waiting for someone with the spirit of faith. And so Jesus is constantly teaching. And one of the things, he's, one of the reasons these stories that we're about to read are in, the, uh, uh, in uh, the Bible, the New Testament, is because God wants us to see that these people sought him. They pursued him. And there was a distance between Jesus and these people. He had to travel a distance to get to Jesus. Can I tell you something? No distance was too far. If Jesus would have been further away, he would have gone further. When you pursue Jesus, you got to go all the way till you find him. You go all the way. You pursue and pursue and pursue. Well, pastor, where's that in the word? Ask and keep asking. Seek and Keep seeking. Knock in. You got to go till, you, till the door's open. You got to seek till you find. You got to ask till there's an answer. Amen? So you pursue. And so he pursues him. And then in verse 8, it says, but the Roman officer, uh, well, let me, let's back up. So let's go ahead and start in verse 5. When Jesus entered the village of Capernaum, a captain in the Roman army approached him asking for a miracle. Lord, he said, I have a son who is lying in my home, paralyzed and suffering terribly. A lot, a lot of Bibles use servant. This guy had loved this servant so much he called him a son. He said, Jesus responded, I will go with you and heal him. But the Roman officer interjected, Lord, who am I to have you come into my house? He wasn't Jewish and knew that Jesus wasn't allowed to go into a non-Jewish home. He's like, I'm not worthy. It's against what the Jews believe for you to come into a Gentile's home. He's like, I'm not worthy. So I want you to see this too, this, this, this comparison between the two people, one man, one woman we're about to talk about. They're both very humble. They approach the Lord with great respect. They aren't brash, but humble. And they honor him when they're in his presence. Both of them call him Lord that means master. They, when they approach him, they surrender. They seek him and they're surrender and they're humble. He says, I understand your authority, for I too am a man who walks under authority and have authority over soldiers who serve under me. I can tell one to go and he'll go and another to come and he'll come. I command my servants and they'll do whatever I ask. So I know that all you need to do is to stand here and command healing over my son and he will be instantly healed. He believed, therefore he... Spoke. He believed, 
that Jesus had all authority and all he needed to do was speak. He didn't have to be in his home. He didn't have to be in the presence of this, this servant, this, this child. He didn't have to be anywhere. He knew Jesus' authority. He commanded the universe. He could speak from Mars and heal someone in Alaska. He could speak from, speak from Mars and heal somebody in 3,000 galaxies away. That's the authority he understood that Jesus had. This is what Jesus says to him. Jesus was astonished. I've talked about this before. Man, I hope that one of us or all of us get to operate in a level of faith that astonishes the Lord. Jesus was astonished when he heard this and said to those who were following him, who does he go to? He goes right to the apostles and the disciples, and he begins to teach. What is he teaching them? The spirit of faith. He's teaching them the spirit of faith. So he's like, this man, has a, he has a greater spirit of faith than anyone I've ever seen. Learn from it. Catch it. He's been teaching the principles of faith. Now he's like, man, you know my principles. Now you've got to catch the spirit of faith and let it get in you and on you. Where it's not some positive thinking or some positive confession that you actually believe that the word of God is true. And that it's powerful and it's alive today in this moment. So he says he has greater faith than anyone uh, he turns to those guys and says, he has greater faith than anyone I've encountered in all of Israel. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Multitudes of Gentiles will stream from the east and west to enter into the heavenly kingdom with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But many Israelites born to be heirs of the kingdom will be turned away and banished into darkness where there'll be bitter weeping and unbearable anguish. All these religions that teach there's no hell, they are liars. They're liars. And they operate with the father of lies. What does Satan want you to believe? There is no devil and there is no hell. What greater lie to perpetrate to anybody to teach them that? There's no consequences. You can do whatever you want to do. There's no devil. Everything that happens that's evil is God. He, he removes himself from that picture. Man, God's to blame. God's at fault. And there's no hell. Don't worry about it. That's a lie. Jesus right here tells you there is a place that's bitter, that's a bitter place full of weeping and unbearable anguish. Then he said this, then Jesus turned to the Roman officer and said, go home, all that you have, all that you have will be done for you, and his son was healed at that very moment. That very moment, because you know what he believed for? His son to be healed that very moment. Now, we read another account of this where it says when he got home, the kid was healed. And he said, when was he healed? And he said, they said the time, and it was exactly the time when Jesus spoke it. Because that's what he believed for, instant healing. He believed for it. He believed for it. I believe, therefore I speak. So we, we see he pursued Jesus. He was humble and honorable before him, respectful to the Lord. He surrendered to his lordship when he showed up. And he believed in the authority in which Jesus spoke and believed that Jesus can do what he said he wants to do. Jesus is, is the healer. God has always been the healer. He'll always want to be the healer. Amen? Yes. Let's look at another example. Mark, Go with me to Mark chapter 7. 
Here's a woman in almost the exact same position as this Roman centurion. And I haven't mentioned, and I will mention one of the other things they have in common here that is a biblical principle. Um, and so this starts in verse 24, this story. It says, Jesus set out from where, there to go into the non-Jewish region of Tyre. He intended to slip into a house unnoticed, but people found out that he was there. But when a woman whose daughter had, had a demon spirit heard he was there, she came and threw herself down at his feet. So here we go again. She heard Jesus. A lot of people heard he was there, but it only says one person pursued him. I don't know if they were waiting for him to come out of the house, waiting for what to do. She wasn't, she wasn't knocking, and she wasn't going to be denied. She went to the, where he was and pursued him. You have to pursue him. We have to pursue him. When you have a spirit of faith, you pursue. Why? Because you believe. So one, we have a physical healing. Now we have an area where of deliverance. And if you don't think people are demon-possessed, man, you need to come with me sometime when I cast out a demon. You'll find out that demons still exist and still possess people. Matter of fact, there's more demon possession around you than you even think. You drive by people on the street that are demon-possessed. And everybody uses mental illness and this, that, and another thing. A lot, of them, a lot of them need physical healing. Their physiology is off. Their chemicals in their brain are off. And they need physical healing. But some of them, if not most, need some form of deliverance where they need to be delivered from the devil. I want you to notice again, this is her daughter. This is a child. Demon-possessed. Children can become demon-possessed. We don't know what religion she was. She obviously wasn't Jewish. So being part of a false religion might have opened a door for her daughter to be demon-possessed, but she heard about Jesus and pursued him. She pursued him, pursued, pursued him. Then it says this, not only did she pursue him, but she fell at his feet. She humbled herself before him. She treated him with great respect. She was not Jewish, but a foreigner born in the part of Syria known as Phoenicia. She begged him repeatedly to cast the demon out of her daughter. What did she believe? She believed he had the authority. She believed in the authority of the Lord. Finally, he said to her, First, let my children be fed and satisfied, for it isn't fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Let me tell you something. A lot of people do not get answers to prayer because they get offended by the word of God. So Jesus said, First, I came. What is he talking about, the little children? I came for the Jew first. And he references little dogs. Little dogs is not a reference to an outside dog. Little dogs is a reference, and they all knew it, to dogs that live in the house. Now, I have a dog that lives in my house. I don't like house dogs. But it's not my dog. It's my daughter's dog, and her name is Jewel, and she's a diva. I mean, she is the biggest diva. When it's muddy outside, she'll... She can't get mud on her feet. She's a dog. Jalen has clothes for her and shoes for her and all kinds of stuff. Wigs, blonde wigs. I mean, it's crazy. And so, Jules a diva. And uh, my wife is a real stickler about, um, because Jewel, if you leave food out on a counter or a table she can get to, she'll jump up and eat your food. And, and man, my wife's a big believer. You feed dogs dog food. But... 
even as much as I don't like having dogs in the house, um, when I'm cooking some and she comes around, I throw her a little bacon, you know, I throw her a little stuff. And Julie's like, she does that. She eats people food because you feed her. I'm like, guilty, guilty as charged. Or some of you might do this too. If you drop something on the floor, you just call the dog. Come here, just eat this. I don't want to bend down. I'm not going to bend down pick it up. You just come eat it. And that's who he's referring to. Little dogs means the dogs that run inside the house that eat, that live in the house. They're house pets. Now, I don't know about you, but you call me any form of dog, that could be offensive. I don't care if you even call me my little diva jewel house, that dog. That's still offensive to a human being. But she doesn't take offense. I know people that take offense, they hear about tithing immediately. I'm getting out of that church. All they want is your money. No, it's about honoring God. They hear about marriage, that it's between a man and a woman. I'm out. I'm offended. They hear about, hey, that you need to raise your kids a certain way. You need to do things this way biblically, not my way, not your way, God's way. Oh, I'm out. I don't believe in spanking kids. That's wrong. Da, 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 da. That's not what the Bible says. We just don't spank them to beat them. Amen? But because we love them. And, and guys, and so people get offended about all kinds of things, and they run from God. People living together get offended when, I, when we talk about, hey, sex outside of marriage is sin. That's what God says. Sex in marriage is fantastic. Sex outside of marriage is sin, and they get offended. And they run from God. She had a great opportunity when she heard, hey, I came for the children first. Not first, not for the little dogs. Oh, man, she could have ran. Most people would be greatly offended, not her. You know why? Because she had a spirit of faith. You know what she hung on to? She didn't get caught up in the little dog scenario. You know what she heard? She heard this word, first. She heard first. That means if there's a first, there's a second. That's what she heard. She didn't cling to the other thing. She clung to the word first. As a matter of fact, she acknowledges what Jesus said. Listen to what she says to him. She answered, how true that is. Jesus, if you spoke it, it's the truth. If I'm supposed to be married, Lord, I'm not, and I'm living in sin, that's the truth. If I'm, if I'm not supposed to be getting drunk, Lord, that's the truth. If I'm not supposed to be getting high and altering my mind, that's the truth. If I'm, if I'm supposed to only have sex within the confines of a loving marriage, that's the truth. I mean, just acknowledging the truth. And we've had people in the church that not get offended but hear the truth for the first time. And they're like, you know what? That's God's truth. We're going to get this right. Those people get their prayer answered. She's going to get her prayer answered because she just says, you're right, Lord. I... You, you came for the Jew first. Right. And she responds this way. It's, this is outstanding. How true that is. Lord, once again, recognizes him as master, as Lord of all. But even puppies under the family table are allowed to eat the little children's crumbs. Wow, what a response. Not offended at all. But she has such a spirit of faith on her. Then Jesus said to her, that's a good reply. Now, because you said this, you may go. The demon 
has permanently, ever say permanently, permanently, left your daughter. That means it's going to leave and never come back. And when she returned home, she found her daughter resting quietly on the couch, completely set free from a demon. So we see whether it's healing or deliverance or any other area of our life, when we pursue and we're undaunted, these people were undaunted. It didn't matter what Jesus, whatever Jesus said is truth. True Lord, true Lord, true Lord. If I have to deal with this and I have to, you know, you confront me with truth to get some things right and to acknowledge that you're the Lord and surrender my heart to you, so be it. So be it. And because they had a so be it spirit of faith attitude, both of them received their prayers answered. I wanted to share you the last thing they have in common. They're both pursuing God for someone else that they love. Not all of our prayers need to be consumer oriented. What do I mean by that? All about us. The Bible says if you want to be healed, pray for others that they are healed and you will be healed. You sow hope, you receive hope. You sow healing, you reap healing. You should, if you need healing, you should be praying for others with a passion. The same passion you pray for yourself, you should be praying for others to be healed. You need, you need someone in your family saved, you need to pick up the gauntlet for some other families that need someone saved. And you need, with the same passion you pray for your loved one, you should pray for someone else's loved one. There's a principle of sowing and reaping that God Loves. He, 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 he established that throughout the whole universe. What you sow, you reap. And so when you, you sow that and you pray for others and you love on others and you, 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 get, you add your faith to their faith. Well, I don't know anybody in that, the same situation as me. Well, God does. God, if you know somebody close to me or around me or in my city that's going through the same thing I am because we're very unique as individuals. We're all unique. But our experiences are usually not unique. They're very common. And so you can say, man, God, anybody, let me run into them. But if I don't know their name, God, you know their name. And I pray with the same passion that you deliver them from depression the way you're delivering me. You deliver them from addiction the way you're delivering me. We always need to be adding to our faith, faith for others. And they pursued Jesus for other people. And their faith was acknowledged as great faith. And they had a spirit of faith. And Jesus used these moments to teach those around him that are going to be carrying the gospel. The, the centurion and the this Syrophoenician woman aren't going to carry the gospel all around the world. So he uses their example of great faith, astonishing faith and great faith to teach those around him so they catch. They knew the principles of faith. He taught them the principles. They had to catch the spirit of faith. So it's real important who we hang out with. I love it that my sons and my family, when we need to get in faith together, man, we all get, we all know, we know the principles of believing and speaking. We know the principles of prayer, but being confident that when we pray God's will, it will come to pass when we pray out his word and his will. And I love it that there's a spirit of faith on my family that we can stand for each other. But if you don't have that, you have a church family. If you don't have that, you need to get involved in ministries in the church and get to know people and hang out with people that have a spirit of faith on them. Hang out with people that have a spirit of faith. It's vital to your faith growing. So it's a combination of the Word of God, hearing the Word and hearing the Word and hearing the Word, that's where faith comes from, and hanging around with people that have a spirit of faith so you get the principles of faith and you get the spirit of faith. 
Then you begin to believe and speak God's word and it comes to pass. You can't even be saved without this principle. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. Listen, it's, it's the same principle of believing and speaking. Same principle. That you believe in your heart, then you speak. That's what takes the limits off of God. The spirit of faith has no limits. Jesus said, all things are possible to those who believe. He also said in Mark, I love you right there in Mark 8, go to Mark 11. We've read this many times, but you need to keep reading it. Over and over and over until you believe it. Mark 11, starting in verse 22, Jesus replied, let the faith of God be in you. Otherwise, let the spirit of faith be in you. Let the spirit of faith be in you. Listen to the truth. I speak to you. Whoever says to this mountain with great faith and does not doubt, mountain be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea, and believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. This is the reason I urge you to boldly believe for whatever you ask for in prayer. Be convinced that you have received it, and it will be yours. He's saying, you speak, you speak it and believe it, it'll happen. You ask for it in prayer and believe it, it'll happen. It's the spirit of faith on your prayers, the spirit of faith on what you say, in line with God's will and God's word. That you believe, not in yourself, not in your, the power of your words, but you believe in God and the power of his word. God and the power of his word. You believe that he's faithful, that he watches over his word to do what? What does he say? I watch over my word to perform it. He wants to do it. All of my promises are? We've said that before. Yes. He wants to do it. He's already said yes to every promise that he's made. He's waiting for us to believe it and believe it. When we believe it, to speak it. Believe it and speak it and stand on his word and not deviate from it and not be messed up because it didn't happen for so-and-so and so-and-so. Listen, guys, I don't base my experience on what happened for other people. I don't understand everything that happens. I don't get it all, but I just know what God says. I just stick to what God says. My belief in God's word is not based on experience. A lot of people say, well, that don't work because I did this. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, you, did, you might not have worked, but God, what God promised is always true. I will not base my belief on experience. I base, I base my belief on God's promise. I've never seen heaven, but I believe in heaven. Amen? But if you base it on experiences that, that others have had around you or you've had around you, man, you're going to fail a ton because you're going to start believing what people say instead of what God says. Come on now. I say let all men be. The Bible says uh, let God be true and all men uh, are liars. Listen, if anybody says anything in contradiction to God's word, they're a liar in my book. In my book. I don't believe based on my experience. I believe based on the word of God. I believe his word is above my experience and what I think or what, I, what I've seen because I believe God is true and true alone. That's called the spirit of faith. Hebrews eleven six says, it's impossible to please God without faith. You can't be pleasing to the Lord. We were created for his pleasure to be pleasing to him, but you can't be pleasing unless you have a spirit of faith. He says in James 1, 6, if you ask for wisdom, then ask in faith because if you don't ask in faith, you should expect to receive Nothing from God. 
Faith is vital to your walk, vital to see in impossible situations turn around, and vital to see you comforted and overcome difficult situations. It's vital. The spirit of faith is vital. It's vital that you walk out this life with the spirit of faith. Otherwise, Satan will approach you, trouble will approach you, trials will approach you that will challenge you to stop believing. And we live in a day from the pulpit to the pew, people are walking away from the things of God. This is not, this is not the day to do that. Jesus is coming. I don't know when, but he is coming soon. He said 2,000 years ago he's coming soon. So I guarantee you we're a lot closer today than they were back then. Listen, I want to end with this. Wow. Man, I still have a little time in this service. Got a little faster. Mm-mm-mm. Where do we go from here? Mm-mm-mm. Go with me to Luke 5. Give you a little more than I gave the other service. Luke chapter 5. we got to believe even when it doesn't make sense. I said we need to believe even when it doesn't make any sense to believe. As a matter of fact, it doesn't make any sense at all. So Jesus is teaching, and he climbs into Peter's boat. Peter has fished all night. They were cleaning their nets, and I'm sure it was one of those oh boy moments. Jesus is teaching on the shore. They're cleaning their nets. They're just about to leave. They're about to get off their boat, probably sneak out of church, you know, get out of there, because they've been, they're tired. They've, and then Jesus turns around and goes, hey, I need to borrow your boat. He gets in, says, push, push off. And they're like, everybody's looking at him. Okay, now, now we got a long-winded preacher here. We better, they push off and they sit down on the boat, because they're still in the boat. And they listen and Jesus teaches, and they're listening. And evidently they didn't catch the spirit of faith right then because of what happens next. Jesus says to them after it's all said and done, hey, fellas, go ahead and go out. Let's go out to, let's go fishing. And uh, this, let's start in verse 4. Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished, he said to Peter, now row out to the deep water to cast your nets, and you will have a great catch. Master, replied uh, Peter replied, you've just come back. We've just come back from fishing all night. Didn't catch a thing. But if you insist, we'll go out again and let down our nets because of your word. He's like, Jesus, this makes no sense. I'm a fisherman. I heard you were a carpenter. Now you, he called him master, which meant rabbi or teacher. He said, I understand you're a man of God. He still doesn't understand he's the Lord. He said, I understand you're a man of God, but I'm a fisherman. We fished all night. The fishing's at night, Jesus. Or we wouldn't be, we're commercial. We're not just like casting a, uh, you know, casting a net on Saturday. No, we're commercial fishermen. We do this for a living. Last night we fished all night, commercial fishermen. We caught nothing. But at your word, he's saying it makes zero sense to do this. Sometimes it makes zero sense to everybody else, sometimes even to your own brain. But if Jesus said to do it, you just do it. I love it. He submits. Like, this makes no sense. I'm tired. We're tired. We've cleaned the nets. We're, we're, we fished. It makes no sense. But at your word, 
Peter was bold. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't catch any fish. He would have said, I told you so. <laughs> Peter put his foot in his mouth a lot. I bet he would have said it. But he said, but at your word, we'll go. When they pulled up their nets, they were shocked. This is what I'm telling you, that sometimes, man, you just got to do what Jesus said. And because it made no sense to him and he still did it, God honored the little bit of faith that he had that he still acted on what Jesus said. He still acted on the word. So when you act on the word, you're saying there's a little faith here. This is what God, Jesus could do with just a little faith. And he acted on the word when it made no sense. And he was shocked. The, the, the reason I know they didn't expect it to happen because they're shocked. Shocked to see a huge catch of fish and their nets were ready to burst. They waved to their business partners in the other boat for help. They ended up completely filling both boats with fish until they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw the astonishing miracle, he knelt at Jesus' feet and begged him, Go away from me, Master, for I am a sinful man. He's immediately convicted. He wasn't convicted before. Now he's convicted. Now he's convicted. But you know what? God honored him because he acted on his faith even when it made no sense to him. Sometimes it'll make no sense what Jesus asks you to do. It'll make no sense, but you just do it anyway. You keep acting on the word. And I'm going to end with this, this story. There was a nationally televised football game, really important football game. True story. And, and in, in the game, if you know, the quarterback always gets under the center. The center hikes the ball. Well, this quarterback was so caught up in this moment because it was a big moment and a big play. And he goes up and he's looking around and he gets under the guard. The guard is right next to the center and he's bent over. Well, I'm going to just say something to you. One time in seventh grade, I was the running back, and our quarterback got hurt. So they said, well, we're just going to let Smotherman be the quarterback. I never practiced the quarterback. They said, we're going to let you. You're the quarterback now. And so I don't know about you, but it was really awkward the first time I had to come put my hands under someone else's butt. <laughs> and when you play quarterback, that first hand, you, you let them feel the pressure so they know where to snap the ball. So you... It's really awkward. I'm, I'm like. These are big linemen. Most linemen, man, they're big and heavy and they sweat. I'm like. I've always been a little bit of a clean freak with my hands. And so I'm like. Woo. So, you know, but the center's like, come on. He's used to it. I wasn't. So what I know is that the guard is not used to it. So when he felt that quarterback come and go, he's like, this man's got his hands on my butt. I'm sure a thousand thoughts went through his mind. Is this a trick? Is this a trick play? Did I miss something? Or why is he under me? Are we going to snap it directly to the running back? And he's pretending. I but eventually, in the, in the he turns around and says something to the quarterback. I'm sure he said something like this. Get your hands off my butt. I'm not the center. <laughs> well, you can think, well, what crazy purpose can I have for telling that story? Because of this. He's under the guard. The guard says something to him. 
He takes one step. Everybody say one step. He takes one step. Now he's under the, in the right position. Takes a snap, throws a touchdown pass. Listen to me. True story. Listen to me. Some of you are one step away. You just got to take one step. You're one step closer to Jesus. Just, you don't have to take a giant leap. I don't believe in doing a, a big thing a little. I believe in doing little things a lot. Let me say that again. A lot of people do big things a little. I believe in doing a little things a lot. Why? Because the Bible says, faithful with a ruler, ruler over much. So he's saying, be faithful in a little. Do a lot of little things a lot, and then you'll find out how big that will become. Some of you just need to take one step closer to Jesus. You need to stop waiting on Jesus to come to you, and you need to pursue. You, maybe it's, you need to humble yourself before him. Maybe it's you need to start praying for others that are in your situation so that your prayer will be answered. Maybe just a little. Maybe some of you just need to get in your word just a little bit deeper. Just one step. Just take one step. This is my last sermon on this topic. I just want to encourage you, please, just take one step. You're one step away. Take that step. Listen, every eye closed. Thank you all for being here online as well. If you're live, and even if you're watching later in the week, man, thank you for that. And hopefully you'll, you'll glean something from this, that the Spirit of God ministered to you. But whether it's live today online or here in this room right now or next week, if you're watching and you're not right with Jesus, how do I be right with Jesus? This is the right relationship to have with Jesus. He's the Lord and you're not. He's the Lord, and you're surrendered to his lordship. What does that mean? Your whole life is surrendered to what he says is right, what he says is wrong, what he says to do, what he says not to do. That you just It doesn't mean your whole life is lived like that because we're not going to be perfect, but your heart is surrendered. All these people that came before him and saw miracles and did extraordinary things. <coughs> that God used their life to do extraordinary things. Not just in ministry, but there's people talked about that were extraordinary in hospitality. There's women that were wealthy, that were talked about, that gave extraordinary gifts to the kingdom. There's people from every walk of life that are talked about in the New Testament and the Old Testament that did extraordinary things for God. Wives, husbands, fathers, mothers. They did extraordinary things. Abraham, the father of faith, he's, he's a father of Isaac. That's what he believed God for, is to have a son. That's what he's famous for. And he raised his son to love and to fear and to respect God. That's what he's famous for. So wherever you find yourself, if you want God to move in your life, if you really want to fulfill the destiny and purpose of which you were created, you have to surrender to God. You have to surrender. And trust Him that He has a better life for you than you have. 
that you might even be doing part of what he's called you to do, but you're not doing it for him. So you're not experiencing all that you could experience in what you were doing. Because you've never surrendered even what you're gifted to do, even what you're doing to him. If that is you and you've never prayed and surrendered your life to Jesus, man, we at Church on the Move, we want to give you that opportunity because someone gave it to us. Almost everybody in this room that is saved, almost, they gave their life to Jesus. They prayed and surrendered to Jesus in church. In church. So you're in the right place. You're in the right place right now and you're watching or you came here for a reason whether it was good or bad this is the purpose this is the reason that God drew you to save your life not only will he forgive you of your sins and deliver you from the slavery of sin in this life and set you free from being a slave to sin but he'll grant you eternal life in heaven and deliver you He'll deliver you from slavery in this life, and He'll deliver you from hell in the next. He loves you. He died to do this. That's how much He cares about humanity. But it's your choice and your decision. Your choice and decision. But if today you're like, okay, I get it. I get it. I need, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. I want to experience what a real life feels like in this life. It won't be perfect. It won't be trouble-free. You need to know that. But it will be successful. You'll be an overcomer. And your life will count for something bigger than just yourself. You'll spend an eternity in heaven and not hell. Because he loves you. So if that's you and you've never prayed and you want to pray, this is your moment and this is your time. Or maybe you've prayed before and you've run away from home and you came to church today or you're watching right now because you know you need to come home. And you left God, but he never left you. And you know that. So whether it's your first time or your next time, you know you need to pray and get this right. Don't miss this opportunity. He's a, he's a prayer away from you, a breath away. He loves you. So if either one of those are you, the first time or next time, I'm going to ask you to do two things. Here's the first one. On the count of three in this room, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. In the count of three online, I'm going to ask you to send us a note on that message board. I'm praying for the first time or I'm praying for the next time. And then what are we going to do after that? The second thing, we're all going to pray. Right where you're at online, right where you're seated here. So here we go. One, two, three. Raise your hand up and say, it's me. I'm going to get right with God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All around this room. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Golly, so many, so awesome. Let's all pray. Let's all pray together with those who raise your hand. And those who raise your hand, just mean this in your heart. And those who already saved, man, make this just part of your confession. Pray with them in support. So let's all say this together. Say, God, I believe. You are God in God alone. I believe you love us, all of us. You love me.
And you sent Jesus to die for our sins. And I believe it. You raised him from the dead. And I believe it. You proved you loved me by dying. You proved you are the Lord by defeating death. So I believe it. And because I do, I ask that you forgive me of all my sins. As I forgive, not by emotion, but by choice, those that have hurt me. In Jesus, I say to you, you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. I surrender to your Lordship my whole life. And I receive the Holy Spirit. And by your Spirit and by your Word, teach me my purpose, my destiny in serving you all the days of my life until I see you in heaven. Thank you for saving my life, rescuing my life. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, let's thank God. What a great moment. What a great day. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.